Hello, and welcome to another installment of The Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. Malifaux is a city rife with thieves and bandits. Some are wealthy professionals, others are desperate amateurs. Still others are ordinary people trying to build a decent life for their families. On today's episode, we meet one such man. I hope you enjoyed part one of Someone Else's Toys. Someone Else's Toys by Anthony Hicks Tell me again why this is a good idea. Joseph Denton stuffed his hands under his arms in a futile attempt to get some warmth into them. Winter had taken Malifaux in its chill embrace. The flurries of snow and rapidly dropping temperatures were hitting the city's poorest inhabitants hard. Because we need the money, replied Alistair McNally. There's good lead pipes in here. Lead we can sell to stay warm. Denton blew on his freezing fingers. But stealing from an orphanage, Mac, that's low even for us. McNally drew a short black iron crowbar from the sack he carried and looked long and hard at his shivering companion. Look, Joe, at times like this, it's us or them. Do you want to freeze to death or starve? Well, no, but do you want your wee boy to? Denton screwed up his face. Of course not, don't be stupid. Well then, this is what we do to make sure that doesn't happen. The Scotsman stabbed his crowbar into a window jamb and started to heave. Besides, everyone knows this place is abandoned. Inside, the orphanage reminded Denton of his own childhood. A grey place of unwelcome silence and oppressive darkness. Sombre corridors of dust stretched away into shadow and empty rooms beckoned fearfully at the two thieves as they passed by. As they moved further into the structure, broken furniture and abandoned fixtures began to sprout up like blooms of memory, spores of remembrance that spoke of the building's past. Denton saw a nest of corroded bed frames piled on top of one another, their rusted springs tangled together in an impenetrable web. A skeletal dresser, the drawers scattered haphazardly across the floor, and a mirror, cracked and blackened, stood strangely alone in another room. They came across a pile of discarded toys partially buried under a thick carpet of dust. McNally started sifting through them, the disturbed dust making him sneeze. He gave up partway through and crept onwards. Denton lingered, looking down at the shifted dust and scattered playthings. Almost instinctually, he knelt down and began to tidy them up. Amidst the detritus, he found a tin soldier. It was dented and the paint was chipped, but he was sure little Christopher would like it. McNally's voice called out from down the corridor, Come on, Joe, this place is giving me the heebie-jeebies. Denton stuffed the little man into his slingback and hurried after his accomplice. He found him bent over a large ceramic sink in what seemed to have once been a kitchen. McNally was grunting and pulling on a large wrench. 
What did I tell you? He said, lead pipes. These'll fetch a pretty penny with the right buyer. Give me a hand, will you? They're all seized up. Together, they dismantled the pipework connected to the sink and set about searching for more. In a few short hours, they had a pile of metal. Right, said McNally. That ought to do it. I'll start bagging this lot up. You take one last look around, eh? Make sure we haven't missed anything. Alone, Denton tiptoed through the orphanage. They had torn great rents in the walls to get at the pipes, and the wreckage of their passing did not sit well with him. He looked dismally at the destruction they had wrought, and a dry, empty void took shape in his gut. The silence that shrouded him seemed somehow worse than the raucous demolition, and he resolved to be done with this place as soon as he could. His inspection of the ground floor complete, Denton was creeping back to his partner when the sound of bare feet on wooden flooring and the scrape of a dragged chair floated down from upstairs. He froze, unsure of what he had just heard, and listened intently, barely moving. He heard nothing. Deciding it was simply his imagination, he turned away. A childish giggle whispered to him from above. Slowly and with great care, Denton set down his tool bag, lifting the heavy hammer from its place within. He stole to the bottom of the stairs and squinted up. Above him, the steps disappeared into the black. Nervously, he began to climb. As he reached the top, he was sweating profusely in spite of the biting chill. A shadow-wreathed landing stretched away from him, glaring back through empty doorways. A soft thud and hushed giggle drifted from a nearby room. Dry-mouthed and gripping the hammer in a white-knuckled fist, Denton approached the door. For a second, he saw a boy, tousled hair and flapping nightshirt, dash across the room, and he rushed to the door. The chamber beyond must once have been a playroom. Scattered toys and sagging tables sulked at the edges, but beyond that it was empty. The dust on the floor was undisturbed. Angry now, Denton stalked forward, brandishing the hammer. If this is some kind of joke, you'll get a bloody good hiding when I find you. He growled. It took him only moments to discern the room was entirely devoid of life. He turned to go and spied another tin soldier standing to attention beside the window. He picked it up, allowing himself a small smile at the thought of his son's face in the morning. A flash of white beyond the window caught his eye. The boy, dressed in a flimsy white nightshirt, stood outside in the freezing street. Seemingly oblivious to the cold, the lad stared at him unmoving. Ice flooded his veins as Denton stood in the window, eyes locked with this strange boy. Finally, the boy cocked his head slightly, as if listening to an unheard voice, and pointed at Denton. An uneasy feeling crept over him, and a warm breath of air played across the back of his neck. Despite himself, Denton turned to look. A needle-lined chasm, wet and red, rushed at him. He screamed. Denton, said a familiar voice in the darkness. Denton, what's the matter with you? He blinked, and the playroom swam into focus. McNally, his face pinched and anxious, stared at him. What the hell was that? 
stammered Denton. I was about to ask you the same thing, replied McNally. The, the thing, the creature, it attacked me. What the blazes are you talking about, man? Denton started shivering uncontrollably and looking about him. His eyes were unfocused and glassy, as though he had just woken up. There was a creature, he said. It was right where you stand now. It tried to attack me, then everything went black. A creature? You're the only folks here about to see you and me. No, there was a monster and a boy. He turned and stared out the window at the empty street beyond. He was in here. And then he was out there. Joe, this place is clearly messing with your noggin, lad. There's no boys and definitely no monsters. We're miles from the quarantine zone. There's nothing here. I don't understand. He was, was... Look, Joe, I don't know what you think happened, but I can tell you straight you imagined it. You went for a look around, and when you were gone for five minutes, I came to look for you. Followed your steps on the dust up here. I poked my head round the door and you were staring out the window. Then you turned around and just started screaming. I came barreling in to shut you up and you just stopped. Denton dropped his head into his hands and shuddered. McNally patted him on the shoulder awkwardly. He sucked in a ragged breath and looked up through his fingers. Let's get out of here. The thieves retreated downstairs and gathered their spoils before heading out into the bitter night. Dawn's grey fingers were pushing into the dark when the two thieves finally arrived home. Their crumbling brick house squatted at the end of an equally dishevelled street. Denton crept down the side of the house, his movement masked by the ever-present gloom. Even though he knew no one else would be up at this hour, he still could not help but cast a wary eye at the empty windows of his neighbours. As he glanced around, he caught sight of a young boy in a white nightshirt staring at him from an empty window. He froze. McNally blundered into him in the dark. He hissed out a curse and shoved the younger man angrily. What the hell are you playing at, Joe? I damn near slipped and broke my neck. The boy said Denton in a tiny voice. He's up there, watching us. Denton pointed up at the window. It was empty. A nightshirt, forgotten and stiff with frost, hung mournfully from a washing line close by. McNally grunted, annoyed. You need to get some sleep, Joe. He pushed past Denton and stomped away down the alley. Denton stood and stared at the nightshirt for a moment. Maybe he was just tired, like his friend had suggested. He rubbed his eyes and started after his companion. Denton slept fitfully. Vague dreams interrupted his rest. He was back in the orphanage, climbing the stairs to the playroom. The steps seemed to stretch on forever, the top never arriving. As he climbed, he felt a presence behind him some nebulous threat that dogged his steps. When he turned to look, the stairs were empty, but the presence never left him. He woke tired and irritable, the unresolved dream climb lingering in the back of his mind. 
The sound of childish laughter from downstairs sent a shiver of recognition down his spine. He dashed to the top of the stairs. Below him, his son, Christopher, and McNally were playing with the tin soldiers he had snagged the night before. Noticing him, McNally smiled. Sorry, Joe. I know you wanted to give him them, but we were getting impatient. Christopher squealed in excitement and dashed up the stairs, brandishing a soldier in each hand. Play with me, Daddy. Play guild and anarchists with me. We can be guards fighting the monsters and saving the city. Denton hugged his son tightly, his anxiety melting away. Absolutely, son. We can play all day if you want. McNally cleared his throat. Aren't you forgetting something, Joe? Denton looked blank. What? We have a, a business meeting to go, remember? I'm sorry, Chris. He said dismally. Daddy has to go out for a little while. The little boy looked utterly dejected. His bottom lip wavered alarmingly. Denton crouched down in front of his son, bringing his eyes level with the boy's. I promise we'll play when I get back. Christopher sniffed back a tear. And I'll get you some sweets from Mrs. Whitaker's shop. How about that? The boy fought back a grin, but it was too late. Denton grabbed him and swung him up into his arms, tickling him ruthlessly. I thought that would work. He said between his son's giggles, little boys can't resist sweets. It's a widely known fact. He set him down again and reached for his threadbare coat. Now you stay here and be a good boy for Auntie Mary. I'll be back before you know it. With sweets, called Christopher as his father and McNally opened the door to leave. Yes, with sweets. He called back. That's a promise. Outside, the temperature had dropped, and the two men were forced to shake a layer of snow off their loot as they retrieved it from its hiding place. You spoil that boy, you know, said McNally as he swung the heavy sack over his shoulder. You shouldn't promise him things you don't know you can get. Denton scoffed at his partner. What a bag of sweets. We've got a good haul here, Ali. I'm sure I can stretch it out into a bag of sweets for my son. Besides, you know me. I always keep my promises. That's not the point. You don't see me promising Mary pretty frocks and jewels until the money's in me hands. It's bad luck. I don't see you promising Mary pretty frocks and jewels ever, you skinflint. McNally laughed. That may be, but my point stands. You don't know what's round the corner. And you shouldn't bet on a horse until you've seen him run. Well, aren't you a bundle of fun this morning? What's the matter, bad dreams or something? McNally stopped abruptly, rounding on his companion fiercely. What's that woman been saying about me? Denton's smile fell away. Nothing, Ali. Nothing at all. Why would she? The memories of last night in his own unsettling dream came flooding back. That's it, isn't it? He said, you had a dream and it's rattled you. McNally turned away and gruffly stomped off through the snow. Denton hurried after him. What was it, Ali? What did you see? The Scotsman glared at Denton, his eyes stern. I don't know what you're talking about, Denton. Now shut up. Valentowitz doesn't like his being late. Valentowitz, said Denton, his face falling. You never said we were stealing for him. That man's a psychopath. I don't want to work for him. Well, we are. 
No, just shut up and come on. They walked the rest of the way in silence, shrouded by the ever-falling snow. From outside, the building looked like countless others in Malifaux, a squalid tenement of rotting brick and sagging eaves. Two men stood outside, huddled under the meagre porch, their breath clouding the air before them. The first was huge, standing well over six and a half feet tall and possessing a chest that could easily double for a beer keg. His head was shaved bare and his features were blunt and pugnacious. One of his ears stuck out at an awkward angle, swollen and deformed. His companion was slender, whip-thin and sharp. Where the bigger man was content to stand still, he moved constantly, shifting his weight from one foot to the other and twitching his gaze up and down the length of the street. As Denton and McNally approached, the smaller man broke out into a wide grin that exposed blackened and rotting teeth. It did little to improve his already vulture-like appearance. Denton's pace slowed. Worried, he glanced at McNally. Got an appointment with Valentowitz, said McNally. He's expecting us. The bald man barely registered their existence but the smaller fellow hopped down from his perch and spread his hands wide. Really? He said. Denton was struck by the malodorous stench of his rotting breath. The boss hasn't said anything to us about visitors, has he, Brick? The big man said nothing. Why do you need to see him? The smaller man continued. McNally dropped his heavy sack onto the snow in front of him. We have a business proposition, Sisman. We have some goods he's interested in. The bird-like Sisman considered the bag for a moment. Well, all transactions have to go through accounts. That's a lot of waiting around and haggling with very unpleasant people. Why don't you leave your uh, merchandise with me? I'll happily take it through to the boss for you. No way, said Denton. He tried to sound tough, but his voice wavered uncontrollably like a teenage boy talking to his sweetheart for the first time. We see Valentowitz, or we take our business someplace else. Sisman smiled his black smile. That's not very friendly, is it, Brick? The big man said nothing but his deep-set eyes swiveled to stare at Denton. Brick doesn't say much, but he's a sensitive soul. I think you've upset him. Your friend can go in and talk to the boss, but you have to wait out here. Denton and McNally shared a brief look before the Scotsman gathered both sacks of lead pipes and mounted the steps. Won't be long, lad, he said. Try to stay out of trouble. Denton had lost all feeling in his hands and feet. A bone-deep ache had settled over him, and every movement felt like his skeleton was coming apart. He forced himself to pace back and forth, forming a furrow in the snow at his feet. It hurt, but remaining still was worse. He sniffed, rubbed one snow-dusted sleeve under his dripping nose and blinked the falling flakes from his eyes. In the two hours since McNally had disappeared inside Valentowitz's place, the snow had gotten worse. 
It fell in great flurries now, swirling through the streets and settling on everything. Fenton tried to imagine taking Christopher out into the great white blankets and building snowmen or throwing snowballs. He thought of dashing back inside when it got too cold and mixing up some hot chocolate while the fire burned the chill from their bones. He pictured his little boy playing with tin soldiers in the warm glow of the hearth while he stirred the bubbling pot. Everything would be better once they got their money and were away from here. Finally, the door to the tenement opened and McNally emerged. He hurried down the steps, shadowed by Sisman. Well, asked Denton, how'd it go? Have we got the money? Yes and no, replied McNally. Look, it's complicated. I'll talk to you about it later, okay? Hell no, that's not okay. Either you've got the money or you haven't. What's going on, Ali? The Scotsman met Denton's gaze, his expression sorrowful. We've got the money, but it's not enough. Valentovitz says the metal's too degraded to be worth full whack. That's hogwash. You and I both know there's nothing wrong with the pipes we took. The man's trying to swindle us. Careful now, said Sisman, sneering. Careless talk like that would make someone like me think you don't like working for the boss. I don't work for your boss, growled Denton. Really? Perhaps you'd better talk to your colleague there about that. What? Denton turned back to McNally. What's he talking about? McNally sighed. That took us another job. Why the hell would you do something like that? You know how I feel about Valentovitz. This is a big job, Denton. It pays well. If we pull this off, it could set us up. Get you and your boy out of that house and into a place of your own, a proper place. No way. I'm not working for this maniac again. You don't have a choice, interrupted Sisman. Your partner already agreed to terms with the boss. You think you can just walk away now? Think about what might happen to poor little Christopher with no money to feed and clothe him. Be a terrible shame if something were to happen to your little boy. Denton glared daggers at Sisman. You talk about my son again and it'll be the last thing you ever say. Is that a threat, Mr. Denton? Asked Sisman, grinning. Denton was already striding away into the snow. No, he said over his shoulder. That's a promise. He was angry. The white heat of his rage burned away the terrible cold outside. How could McNally do something like this? Wasn't it bad enough they had stolen from an orphanage? Now they had gotten into bed with a lunatic like the Valentovitz. If even half the stories about him were true, they were in deep trouble. Denton kicked at a snowdrift as he stalked the white streets. This late in the year, the nights drew in early, and darkness was already threatening. He knew he should go back to the house and see his son, but his anger was too great right now, and Christopher did not deserve to see him like this. So instead he walked, and walked, and walked. The streets of Malifaux were deserted. The foul weather had driven the citizens inside, but troughs carved in the snow by frozen feet spoke of their recent passing. Denton wandered aimlessly. As his anger slowly dissipated, 
He thought about how he could escape the situation McNally had dragged him into. Short of a miracle, he was trapped. People like Valentovitz did not let go of assets. And that's all Denton was now, an asset. Miserably, he turned for home. It was late by the time he found his way back to the run-down brick house. As he lifted the latch, his promise to his son came flooding back. He had been out all day, and they had not played guild and arcanists, nor had he brought home any sweets. The boy would be upset. Of that there could be no doubt. Sighing, Denton pushed the door open and stepped inside. The living room was empty. The fire had burned its last, and only dully glowing embers remained. Denton shook off his coat and stamped the snow from his boots as quietly as he could. It seemed the house had retired for the evening. At least he wouldn't have to face his bawling son until morning. He delicately mounted the stairs and began to climb. It was then he noticed Christopher sitting in the room below. The boy was dressed for bed and had his back to his father. He was playing with the tin soldiers. Christopher, called Denton quietly. It's late, son, time for bed. The boy ignored him, continuing to play with his toys. Denton half turned on the stairs, carefully bracing himself against the banister. Christopher, he called again. I'm sorry I missed you today, but it really is late. Come on now, help your old dad up these stairs. Still, Christopher ignored him. Denton could feel his temper rising. Come on now, son, we can play tomorrow. He took a couple of steps down the creaking staircase. Put your toys down and come upstairs, it's time for bed. Who are you talking to, Dad? Asked a voice from above him. Denton turned and looked up. Christopher stood in his nightshirt at the top of the stairs. Frantically, he looked back at the living room. The two tin soldiers stood alone on the floor. Denton's bowels turned to water. He rushed up the stairs and bundled his protesting son into the bedroom. That's it for another episode of The Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for the conclusion of Someone Else's Toys. <laughs>